This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Well, I guess you could say it's our final gameplay edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast with Toby Rowland. Now, don't get me wrong, T-Row. You, you don't get Mondays off all of a sudden. We're still going to be doing this quite a bit. But is it, isn't, <laughs> it, isn't it wild to look back and think that this college football season already has a bow on it from the, the regular season? And then, of course, uh, I mean, we still have Army-Navy. But I mean, from... It, it it just I know this is a captain obvious statement and I'm not trying to break any news, but it just seems like every year it just rolls by in a flash. It's incredible. It it flies by. It, it's odd. It's one of those things where you uh sign off Saturday from the broadcast and I remember Dennis and Greg and, and I think you were in there too and everybody was saying, Wow, that was it seems like we just started <laughs> uh the season, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And yet if you kind of break it down in the weekly grind of of uh, you know what we do day to day to get ready for a game, in some ways it seems like it's been a long time. Yeah. So, uh, but it was a fun season, man. It, it really was a fun regular season. I wish it had started differently in Houston, uh, but I'm proud of this team for them to put it together nine straight times uh, in the face of tremendous adversity. And for us to get to be there every step of the way, it's uh, it's a privilege. Truly blessed. You know, the, on, on social media today, kind of in preparation, not just for this, but for my radio show as well too, Toby, I asked fans to give me one word to describe the season. One word that would describe the season best. And obviously, you know, there's some that if it's not a championship, it's nothing. But the one word that kept coming back is the one that stood out to me, and that was resilient. This was an incredibly resilient team for everything that they had to overcome, uh, all the injuries, you know, a couple of uh, guys that were forced to have to retire from the game along the way, a few dismissals and defections. I mean, to look at that too deep that we had going into Houston and to see what it looked like going into Oklahoma State and what it will look like going into the Sugar Bowl and everything they dealt with along the way, this was an incredibly resilient bunch. Completely agree. And I thought Saturday was the perfect way for the season to end yeah. to illustrate that. I mean, for DD to go out and uh, there was a, there was a couple of possessions there where if they were rattled, uh, OU was rattled and OSU went from 10, three down to 17, 10 ahead. And um, you know, if you were wearing crimson, you were thinking, uh Oh, we we're behind and we got to play the rest of this game without, maybe our best player, but they bounced back. They answered. And then Samaje goes down and you think, uh Oh, and they answered. And, you know, Jordan Parker and other guys throughout that game left or were hit hard and had to miss a series or a play or two. And other guys stepped in and answered. And that in a nutshell has been the story of this season. And um, you're right. I mean, we don't need to run down the laundry list of guys that are missing. Hopefully, they're due some good luck in 2017 because these things tend to, for some reason, be cyclical. You'll have entire seasons where nobody gets hurt, and then you'll have seasons like this year where it seems like everybody gets hurt. So hopefully next year we're due for uh, some good breaks. 
Yeah, and, and it's amazing because I've talked to athletic trainers, to doctors in the past, and you always try to find some sort of common thing, but there really there's no explanation. It's not about the way they practice. Everyone pretty much has the same routine. It's not about uh, the way they stretch. Everyone stretches. It's not about the, the weight room because, you know, you're, you're looking at a situation where you have guys that have done it for years and years and not had a series of injuries. This was – this was wild to see the way the injury bug bit this team. And through it all, Toby, I thought we continued to see the incredible growth of Baker Mayfield, who, lo and behold, is going to have the greatest season in pass efficiency history in college football. I mean, that's just kind of slid under the radar yeah. so far this season, hasn't it? That's amazing. Um, it's amazing because you consider Baker to be kind of a riverboat gambler. You know, <laughs> I mean, you don't that, – that would be a stat – for a guy who throws a bunch of bubble passes and five-yard routes and swing passes to the backs and doesn't really take any chances, and that's the kind of guy who completes 70-plus percent of his passes and uh, and has a great pass efficiency rating. And it couldn't be more opposite with Baker. I mean, he's a swashbuckler, and he's constantly extending plays and looking downfield. Look at Saturday. How many times did he keep a play alive and then take a shot deep down the field? Um, from game three on, he's been the best quarterback in America. No yeah. offense to Lamar Jackson or uh, Deshaun Watson or Jake Browning or JT Barrett, anybody else. He struggled out of the gates. This entire team struggled out of the gates to find their stride. But once he did, he has been amazing. And I don't know if I've ever seen a guy dominate a game and only complete 13 passes like Baker did on Saturday. It was amazing. He completed 13 passes, yet he was firmly in control of that game. Now, I had help. I mean, Samaje had a magical day. and Certainly early on, D.D. had some great catches, and Joe had the long run. But Baker Mayfield was the central figure of that football game. And what was billed as a head-to-head showdown between two of the best quarterbacks in America, he dominated it. And I'm not trying to be disparaging at all toward Mason Rudolph, who I think is a fantastic quarterback. But Baker was the better on Saturday, and that's a big reason why Oklahoma won that football game. You know, um, it, the way he handles the media, the way he handles himself, you know, we, we were talking about guys on the basketball team last year, Toby, and Buddy Heald and Isaiah Cousins and Ryan Spangler and how we, we watch them grow and how we watch them handle their business. I was so excited to see Baker make official what I think a lot of us knew that he was coming back for next year because he's the kind of guy that has that uh, – I don't want to get too carried away here, Jim Rat comparing it to Buddy, but he loves to be around the game. He loves to study. He loves yeah. to learn. Uh, and he's a fan favorite by far. And I, I don't know. Listen, I'm not trying to get ahead of the Sugar Bowl here and put the uh, cart before the horse or anything like that. But it, this is going to be real interesting to see the buzz around him heading into next year and the excitement level because, you know, we don't know who's all coming back and who might leave. You know, there's, I, I would say, what, maybe four or five candidates for guys that might try to test the NFL waters, might, maybe. But even regardless, you know, you got a, a relatively young linebacking defensive line core that has another year under their belt. I'm I, I got it. Listen, I'm not trying to move past the Sugar Bowl already, but I'm pretty excited to kind of see the makeup of this team heading into 2016 or 2017. And it's going to be tough to replace D.D. Westbrook, but I think you've got some candidates out there. I heard someone call you on your show this morning, uh, on your radio show, and ask about replacing D.D. Well, there's some good candidates. You know, we've, we've seen some guys in the system for a while. 
the Dow Greens, the A.D. Miller, who kind of disappeared later in the year, the Jeffrey Meads, the Michael Jones, who we heard that turn, that quick twitch that he has all season long. There's candidates there. I think this is going to be a real, real interesting offseason heading into 2017 for this team, knowing that Baker's back. Yeah, and, and a pretty big-time recruiting class, it looks like, Amen. that has a chance to be coming in as well. I mean, we'll see if that all comes together, but it looks like it has a chance to be a special one. Um, and, you know, it, it helps if you are hoping guys come back who have a chance to maybe leave early for the NBA. And, you know, we all want what's best for the kids, and if, if going is what is best, then more power to them. Right. But if you know Baker's going to be back, then that is a pretty good, whether you're, uh, you know, back or a lineman or whatever position you play, if you know you're going to have number six next year, you know, it's got to factor into your brain, God, we're going to be pretty good, and maybe I want to be a part of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, we all kind of thought he was going to come back. It was probably likely, but it doesn't hurt to put it out there early and see how that influences everybody else. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a great and the point. Kid is, the kid is I, – I, I want to soak in this young man for as long as possible because yeah. – <laughs> He he's got something special, folks. I mean, it's there. He understands and gets college football, college sports, like very few I've ever seen. And you mentioned Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald falls into that category. So does like Tim Tebow. I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Guys who, sure, uh, they would love to make some money at the next level, but they absolutely love playing college basketball or college football or college baseball or whatever the case may be, and they want to roll around in it for as long as possible. And he's got guts. He's got moxie, uh, swagger, <laughs> entertainment value, everything you could possibly want in a quarterback you got in Baker Mayfield. I think he also I think he also led to the first ever use by Toby Rowland on the broadcast of Dab Him Up. Did, I, I, I would have swore I heard that. <laughs> Whenever I think you're right, and whenever Didi was coming off the field, you said Baker went over there to dab him up a little bit, and I wasn't near Ted at the time. You know, usually whenever we hear something, it's like that's awesome. So uh, that, that makes it all work. And it, I, I want to say this just to kind of put an end, an end on it. Some people will say, well, "What are you What are you talking about? Why would it even be a, a thought? He's not going to be a a high draft pick." Well, I I don't think you can say that for sure. Do I think he's a first round pick? No, no. Uh, but if that dude is six two. If he's if he's Mason Rudolph size, Toby, he's the number one pick in the draft. You know, the only thing that's holding him back is his height right now. And when you see the success yeah. that guys like uh, Russell Wilson have had, I think you start giving someone like a Baker Mayfield a chance. And when he gets in that room with execs, he's gonna wow them. So I'm not one of those guys. that's like, oh well, he. Yeah, he's not going to go because he's not going to be high traffic. No, I think he has the possibility to be much higher than people think. But I also think that he recognizes how how hard everyone fought for that extra year for him and everything that went into it. And, oh, by the way, I think he also realizes this team has a chance to be pretty good next year uh, if he does come back. Now, by, with, with that said, Toby, I am kind of excited about the matchup. Still learning a little bit about Auburn heading into the Sugar Bowl, as I know we will since we got a – Little bit, uh, a little bit over a month, a little bit less than a month, I guess I should say, to prepare for this. But it seems like we have one of those teams that has that quote-unquote SEC defense, 
versus one of these high-powered Big 12 offenses and a couple of really creative play callers in the combination of Malzahn and Les, uh, Rhett Lashley and obviously with what Lincoln Riley has done. I, I, I'm pumped about this matchup. I think it could be really fun. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I'm excited. It's a team that we haven't seen since 1971. Wow. And so it's a matchup you don't see very often. It's uh, Big 12 SEC. I do want to say, listen, in all of the things there have been complaints about the Big 12 in recent years, one of the great things they've done is this Sugar Bowl matchup. I yeah. mean, locking in the Big 12 and the SEC to a postseason matchup against each other, it was genius. It was fantastic. And uh, I think Joe was a big part of, of making this matchup happen every year. And um, so I'm excited about it. I think it's been, for Auburn, the exact opposite year as it's been for Oklahoma in, in this regard. Their defense has been really good, and it has been very frustrating for them offensively. And they pride themselves, certainly Gus Malzahn prides himself in being a creative offensive guy who's difficult to stop and we've seen that through the years with with Auburn certainly with the Cam Newton teams but even beyond that um Cam Newton team I should say and even beyond that uh they've been very creative and spread them out you never knew where they're coming from uh so in that regard it's been frustrating for them this year to find someone who consistently throw the ball downfield catch the ball I think they're leading receivers averaging 46 yards a game wow receiving Wow. They've got a total of 11 touchdown passes this year between the quarterbacks they've used. So they've, they've uh, attempted 30 field goals. That may be the best example of what kind of an offensive year it's been. Um, I think I'm right in saying that Austin Cybers attempted 15. <laughs> so they've attempted twice as many field goals. That's because they've been driving, uh, get turned away, settling for field goals. So uh, great defense, big-time SEC talent across the front, uh, NFL talent on that defense, and an offense that's been uh, has struggled. So that makes for a very intriguing matchup, I think. You know, I'm still in awe of something that happened in the fourth quarter on Saturday that hadn't happened all season long. And I don't know if we need to go check the record books or not or if stats was already all over it. But when Grogan missed the field goal in the fourth quarter, that was the first field goal that had been missed against Oklahoma this year. That yeah. just that just seems Amazing. wild to me, man. I still can't believe that was yeah. true. Amazing, yeah. No, no, nobody had missed a field goal against the Sooners this year until the final quarter of the final game. <laughs> just insane. And it ended up being huge. It ended up being, you know. The very next play, Joe Mixon takes it yeah. seventy nine, and that was kind of the capper. But you would have it would have been nice somewhere along the way if uh, Houston or Ohio State or somebody would have you know clanked one off an upright, but it never happened. I can't I can't help but go back to what you said earlier, and just thinking about Mixon's run magnifies it to put a little bow tie on some bedlam talk. This whole season was personified in one game. I mean, you, you could not have put that any better, Toby, and I hadn't really thought of it. I hadn't given the altitude to the game that I probably needed to be before we did this, but to have a couple of injuries, and let's even go, let's go without injuries. Joe Mixon didn't play well, and I think he, he even told us in the postgame show. He's like, you know, I was, I was struggling a little bit, and then suddenly he hits the big play when it matters. You know, the defense had given up some big runs in the first half, but they adjust, and Oboe gets the big sack when it matters. It was just – I mean, I, I'm, I know I'm going back to a point you already made, Tiro, but it's a great one because 
you know, I think that was one of the reasons why the, the fans that were there were so loud and so appreciative because they saw it play out, and you've seen it play out all year long. That game Saturday was the embodiment of this entire season, wasn't it? Uh, and and maybe just to put a microscope on it a little more, I thought it was the perfect um, illustration of the difference between P. Ryan and Mixon, too. Yeah. Because if you pull, like, one highlight out of that game, it's the Mixon touchdown run. Yeah. He is Hollywood, man. I mean, he is sizzle. He is glitzy and flashy, and he makes this amazing cross-country cut-back-and-forth run. And yet, if you watch that game from start to finish, start to finish it was the pounding away of Samaje Pirine that really broke the backs of Oklahoma State. And he ends up with, you know, whatever, 200 and how many ever yards? He's 30-some yards. But that that's his career. I mean, every once in a while he'll break away and he'll take one in for 50 yards out. But he's going to just hit you over the head with a hammer time and time and time and time and time again until he breaks your will in the third or likely fourth quarter and you're done. And yet here comes little Joe in off the sidelines <laughs> and, you know, pizzazz enters the game. And, and sure enough, he's the one that makes the, the highlight of the contest. And, uh, it's been a fun duo to watch. It's been a blast to watch those two uh, work back and forth off of each other this year. All right, we'll have we'll have more coming up next Monday. Uh, we'll look more at basketball. Obviously, OU's got a, a busy week with ORU coming to town. Uh, we'll talk more about the women's team with Coach Cole, too. But I wanted to wrap up just with a general college football question. And I think Bob Bowlesby brought up a great point. Listen, I am with him. He's going to fight for his conference. This ever-changing target has got to be frustrating. But, t Row, did you feel like the, the college playoff committee got it right with the four teams in the playoffs? I think so. You know, I think so. In the end, um, maybe it's oversimplifying it, but Washington and Clemson and Ohio State had one loss. Yeah. And everybody else had two. And, um, yeah, you could argue non-conference strength of schedule and and head-to-head and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I heard somebody say, well, what if Oklahoma played, um, you know, Arkansas State and North Texas instead of Houston and Ohio State? They'd be in the playoff right now, and maybe maybe that's true. But man, that's just that's not what college football's about. That's not what Oklahoma football's about. And I don't think that's necessarily the story coming out of this either. I, I think in the end it was fairly simple for me. And I know Penn State disagrees, and and maybe they have a rightful claim. Michigan lesser so, and and Oklahoma lesser so. But in the end, those three teams had one loss, and everybody else had two, and. So you got to pick four somehow, <laughs> uh, you know. I mean, whoever you whoever you pick, somebody's angry. Right. I'm not yet in the camp of wanting eight. I know there's a lot that want eight. I'm a little closer today than I was a year ago today, but I, I still think it's kind of four that it, there's kind of fun that it doesn't fit. I think there's something kind of magical in my mind, kind of fun about the fact that we're trying to wedge too many teams into four, and it causes uh, great debates and. Uh, constant conversation and analysis and in my mind that is what makes college football fun in a lot of ways that being said if we had eight oklahoma would be in the playoff right now so i'd take that too so. <laughs> uh, but yeah back to your question I, I think they got i think they got it right i think so i like how you you've come on here and you've 
put some logic into a conversation that is just simple enough to say, well, they got one loss. You got two. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Penn State. <laughs> Sorry, Michigan. Uh, good good stuff. Toby, have a great week. Enjoy the basketball call on what? Two? Wednesday night against ORU? Wednesday. Wednesday night, ORU, and don't forget Saturday will Wichita. be in Oklahoma City yes. for that big Wichita State game at 3 o'clock in the uh, all-college classic, and I uh, hope a bunch of Sooner fans will come out for that as well. Should be a great week, Toby. Thanks as always. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. See you, Chris. So there you have it. There is the game plan on this football-free Monday. So you didn't have a Bob Stoops press conference, but uh, we've got you covered with Toby Rowland right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Hey, join me on Thursday. We'll go all in on some college basketball. Get you ready for that all-college tournament. Uh, I say tournament. That's kind of old school. All-college classic. Remember back in the day? Uh, they have a trophy for this event back in the day. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk more about that coming up, hopefully, with Lon Kruger and Sherry Cole as the OU women look to get back on track. So everyone have a great week. A reminder, uh, on iTunes, leave a review, leave a rating. We love to hear from you on Twitter, at SoonerSportsTV, at OU on the air. And until Thursday with the tailgate, this is Chris Plank signing off and saying Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Yeah.